Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Charlie Matz, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Friday, August 19th, 2022. When I worked in marketing, specifically making videos, one of the best ways to promote a business was a personal testimony. We would put someone on camera to talk about how their life was positively impacted by some product or service. Sure, they would list impressive things about how their life was improved, but none of it was truly for their own glory. Instead, they were only listing off their own achievements to point to the product or service that helped them achieve such things. Well, Paul is going to do something similar in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You see, these false teachers are trying to discredit Paul. They, by the influence of Satan himself, are attempting to tear down the strength of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul is going to list off some of his resume, so to speak. But in doing so, he's attempting to point the power and influence back to Christ so that the Corinthians can stay focused on the true gospel and not the false teaching of these false teachers. So let's dive into 2 Corinthians chapter 11. First, what does Paul mean when he says, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness? Well, Paul has previously told us that self-commendation is foolishness, but now he must give some of his apostolic credentials because of the claims coming from these false teachers that are trying to tear him down and tear down the gospel. But Paul gives his reason for the self-commendation in verse 2, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. As their spiritual leader... As their spiritual father, he doesn't want to see them drawn away from Christ by the same deception that Eve faced in the garden. And what did the serpent say to Eve in the garden? Did God really say? And these false teachers were luring the Corinthians away in a similar fashion. So here's my question for all of us today. Do you and I have people in our life that we care about so much about their walk with Christ and their devotion to the biblical gospel that we are willing to appear as a fool for their sake? In other words, how much are you and I willing to sacrifice both an earthly reputation and physical pain to protect those around us in the body of Christ? Let's think about that as we continue on in this chapter. Paul goes on to say that he preached free of charge, even though that was considered humiliating by the false teachers who measured value by the wage they could charge. And then Paul gets into more detail about defending his apostleship. Paul is constantly attacked by these false teachers trying to discredit his apostleship. So Paul doubles down by explaining the physical suffering he's endured as an apostle. He's not doing this to defend his own honor, but rather he knows that if he can convince the Corinthians that he is sent by Christ himself, then they will not be led astray by these false teachers and their false gospel. Paul goes on to list the physical difficulties that he endured as an apostle and the embarrassment of being let down through a window, a humbling escape from those pursuing him. And we'll see as Paul goes on in tomorrow's reading in 2 Corinthians 12, that Paul was also given a thorn in the flesh to magnify God's strength in him and his ministry. But today I want to go back to my original question. Do you and I have people in our life that we care about so much about their walk with Christ and their devotion to the biblical gospel that we are willing to appear as a fool for their sake? These false teachers used the Corinthians for their own gain. Paul used his life, pouring himself out, for the Corinthians' gain. 
And he, despite really not wanting to, defended his ministry for the sole sake of defending the biblical gospel. Paul didn't defend himself to make sure that he wasn't humiliated. Instead, reluctantly, he defended his office of apostleship to make sure that the Corinthians were secure in the real gospel. So Paul took on social humiliation and physical pain so that those within his reach would have the truth. What will it cost you to ensure that those within your reach have the real gospel? Embarrassment among your coworkers for being the only person who they say is on the wrong side of history by presenting a biblical gospel without apology? Isolation from among your family because you're unwilling to sway with a cultural tide to compromise on what God has clearly said is the design for men and women? Ridicule from other religious leaders of our day who preach a universalist gospel, which is really no gospel at all, and claim that the exclusivity of the biblical gospel is harsh and not loving? Praise God we don't live in a time or place where preaching the gospel to those that God has put in our path results in physical pain, imprisonment, or death. But when you and I do continue to fulfill the mission we are given in Matthew 28 to make disciples, and we are ridiculed or mocked, Will we become defensive? Or can we take a page from Paul's playbook and use every means possible to not defend ourselves, but rather use every argument to defend the one who sent us? Paul isn't defending himself as an apostle, which means sent one, but rather he is defending the one who sent him. Paul knew what we need to remember. The mission is never about us. It's always about the one who sent us on the mission. And it's worth losing everything personally to hold up our Savior and His reputation to a hostile and dying world. When we expose false teaching and false teachers to our family and friends, may we do so as an act of jealousy for the gospel of Christ, not as a way to justify our own life and save our reputation. Now, Paul's defense of his ministry and his care for the Corinthians is a good reminder of our main task as a Christian. Faithfulness. We need to be faithful Christians. We all have different lives. We all have different jobs to go and do each day. We all have different people that God has placed in our path, but we all will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And we desire to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And our faithfulness isn't contingent on doing the Apostle Paul's job or John Calvin's job or George Mueller's job or Charles Spurgeon's job or Martin Lloyd-Jones's job or John MacArthur's job or Pastor Ben's job or our neighbor's job, or our spouse's job. Our faithfulness is contingent on being faithful in what God has given us to do. Perhaps today is a good day to sit before the Lord and to pray for God to show you where he's called you to faithfulness. And once you are clear on that, do it with everything you got, sacrificing whatever is necessary to see it through. And as we read through our Old Testament reading in Proverbs 30 and 31, there are several encouragements that we can take away to do what God has called us to do with faithfulness. A quick note regarding Proverbs chapters 30 and 31 before diving into a few encouragements. Before Proverbs 30, you're going to see a heading that probably says, The Words of Agur, Son of Jacob, the Oracle. Who is Agur? the author of Proverbs 30. We don't really have any conclusive evidence as to who he is. Some think he might be Solomon. Others think he's a court counselor to Solomon or somebody like that, but nobody knows for sure. Now, before we dive into Proverbs 31, you're going to see another heading that says, The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. Who is King Lemuel? Well, the truth is that no one knows who he is either and where he was king. It is possible that he was a ruler outside of Israel. 
Now, on to the different encouragements in these chapters. The first encouragement that I want to point us to is in Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. You're not going to be faithful by your own wisdom. You need something from God and praise him that he has given us his word. Now, the second encouragement is immediately after this first one in verses seven through nine. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. I always thought this was the most amazing prayer. You're praying basically, Lord, don't make me too rich lest I forget you. And Lord, don't make me too poor, lest I steal in order to be satisfied. And I would profane your name. It's a bold prayer. Lord, don't give me too much and don't give me too little. To be faithful, we must pray that we are free from distraction. Do you have the guts to pray this prayer? I know this was a difficult prayer for me to pray for a long time in my life, but it is so freeing to say, Lord, I want only what you want me to have because I do not want to be distracted from you or be tempted to sin. The third encouragement is found in Proverbs 30, verses 24 through 28. Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard you can take in your hands, yet it is in king's palaces. Although each of these animals is small and weak, God uses them to accomplish a specific task based on his wise design. God has designed you for the task he's called you to today, to be faithful to that task. By all worldly standards, you may appear to be weak and small, but God has designed you to make disciples and he's called you to do it in such a way that others may not be able to. Be encouraged by that. Now, as we get to Proverbs 31, it's important to note that verses 10 through 31 are an acrostic. This is a poem about wisdom that begins each line with a successive letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Some think that this is an intentional way to show the full range of the excellent character of this woman that Proverbs 31 is talking about. As you meditate on verses 10 through 31, especially you women, I want you to focus on one thing more than anything else, character. You see, Proverbs 31 can be a daunting chapter for some women, especially when they see it as a prescriptive list of things that they must do in order to be a fully mature, godly woman. But the key to Proverbs 31, the key to this woman is character. She chooses God's way above personal comfort throughout her life. Think about it this way. She is trustworthy. She's a hard worker. She's responsible. She's sacrificial. She's resourceful in the Lord's work, not entrepreneurial for earthly reputation. She's charitable. She looks after her home as a godly steward. She's not lazy. And above all else, she fears the Lord. Regardless of who you are and how God has gifted you to fulfill the mission of making disciples on this earth, be encouraged. God has called you to faithfulness, and he has given you the resources to see it through. He may call you and I to sacrifice much along the way, but knowing the glory ahead of us, just like the Apostle Paul, we will gladly make the trade. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. Pastor Ben Blakey will be back again on Monday. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.